lest we forget how great is our God. And we're going to talk about that very thing this morning. I want to read something to you real quickly. Last week a word came forth and because there was no microphone near me, it didn't get picked up on the audio and I'm not sure how many people heard it in the room and I'm going to read all of it that I could uh, recall and piece together. If you want to know anything, ask Jan. She's not here today, but Jan is the knowledge repository of all things. She knows and sees everything. So I asked Jan, what can you help me to put together? And she gave me four lines out of this. So thank you, Jan. The Lord spoke these words. You may feel that you have achieved. You've achieved nothing apart from me. You may feel that you have failed, but you have failed nothing in me. You may feel that you are all alone, but you are not alone. There are a few lines missing here that we could not put together, but the last lines say, I can make up the difference. I can change the way you feel. Turn to me and I will lead you home. I know that that was specific to a couple of people and I just wanted to get it out there in case it was missed um, in the service. I do want to say how wonderful it was to have our company from Texas, my aunt and uncle Jeanette and Joe, be here with us for Daddy's Memorial. It was a good week, it was a busy week, <laughs> a tiring week, but it was wonderful to visit with them. I'm so glad they were able to come. They're back home safely and uh, had their church's life group at their house on Friday and everybody enjoyed that. If you would, please turn to the book of Matthew. I knew this was going to happen. Matthew 12. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this, but I'm going to try. I'm so thankful for the anointing. I really am. And I just ask the Lord to anoint this word in me this morning to bring this forth as it was delivered to me by the Holy Spirit. We're going to begin reading in verse 38 through 41. But if you would just turn your page back a page or two, if you have a red letter Bible, look and see how many red letters there are just two pages beyond or before where we're going to begin reading this passage. Jesus had a lot to say in this passage of scripture and how many know and agree he speaks the very words of life. So our text today is a continuation of those precious eternal words spoken by our own Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 38 
Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly's whale, whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. We'll go into this in just a minute. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of, of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, and she shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So it is no wonder that Jesus addressed them, the scribes and the Pharisees, the way that he did. They addressed him as master, <laughs> but it was sarcasm, and it was not heartfelt when they called him master. We know this because if you look at verse 24, just before where we began reading, it says that when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had cast out devils, healed the blind and the dumb, they said this, he is under Satan's power and he did these miracles by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Sounds pretty sarcastic to me. And yet they seek a sign from Jesus what they really were seeking was a way to trap him, but by discernment of the Holy Spirit, Jesus knew what their true motivation was, and thus he addressed them as an evil and adulterous generation. And the adultery that he was speaking of here was their continued allegiance. Even though they were supposed to be the cream of the crop of the Jews, coming to Jesus and learning the word and learning all about the new, you know, uh, found religion, they clung to their false gods instead of the one true God. In the book of Jonah, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jonah to go to the city, that great city, Nineveh, and cry against it for their wickedness had come up before God. They were a perverse and God-rejecting people. It's no wonder that Jonah didn't want to go, and instead, the Bible says, he tried to run away to the city called Tarshish, away from the very presence of the Lord. Now, the city of Nineveh is considered to be one of the oldest cities in the modern world today. And the current day city, Mosul, in Iraq, literally grew up around the ancient city of Nineveh. And the province there 
is still named Nineveh. It's completely Muslim, of course, and it's plagued by the largest and deadliest Islamist terrorist organization of our known world, ISIS. Or as President Obama put it, ISIL, if you remember I-S-I-L, about which he caused huge negative response in the press when in a national speech he proclaimed that ISIL is not a terrorist organization. But about this proclamation, the writer and uh, radio uh, personality Glenn Beck wrote these words. So the president, who has the most powerful microphone on the planet, who says the slightest little thing and it reverberates all around the world. And you may say, well, what's the difference? ISIS, ISIL, you say tomato, I say tomato, but it makes a huge difference because of this one fact. ISIL includes a very large area called Levant, L-E-V-A-N-T, which is what the L stands for in ISIL. And it includes the area that we like to call Israel. So the ISIL plan was to eradicate Israel, as was Nineveh's. But President Trump said in a pre-election debate, there's a very clear reason why President Obama would want to support ISIL. This is not about politics, I'm just telling you about Nineveh. But President uh, Trump decided not to disclose that reason at that moment in time. However, we know that President Trump was very openly supportive of Israel throughout his entire presidency. So why did I tell you this? Why was it important? because Nineveh was the hot seat of terrorism of its day against Israel, and it continues to be so today under these titles of ISIS and ISIL. There are many theologians in our day today that say that the story of Jonah was not real, that it was just an allegory, that it was just a parable of sorts, but either way, it was not literal. I disagree. The Pharisees and the scribes who were supposed to know, study, and believe the word of God also discounted the story. And that's why Jesus chose to use Jonas as it was written in the New Testament or Jonah as it was written in the Old as the example of a sign that they could look to. For Jonah was a type of Christ, being dead and buried in the belly of a whale for three days and nights. But Jonah was awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus was. And by awakened, I mean awakened from the dead, just as Jesus was. And in Jonah 2.2, we read, and I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me 
Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. And verse 8, they that observe lying vanities, which is interpreted worship idols, forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that which I have vowed, for salvation is of the Lord. And verse 10, and this is one way I know this is real. And the Lord spake unto the fish which he created, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And of course, we know the rest of the story that Jonah hightailed it to Nineveh with a little uh, deviations here and there. You know the gourd and all of the story. And Jesus used this as the sign of his own crucifixion, death, and resurrection. For verse 40, he said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. He offered them the greatest sign of all time, the moving of the Holy Ghost powered resurrection of Christ from the dead. All the miracles, all the teaching would have been pointless had Jesus not been resurrected from the dead. It was less than two years after this conversation that Jesus had with the scribes and the Pharisees that he was put to death. But Israel, including these scribes and Pharisees, didn't believe him then either. As Jonah said, they'd rather believe their vanities and have their idols and lose their opportunity at mercy. Then Jesus says the most amazing thing. He says that the men of Nineveh, in other words, those Gentile dogs, as they were known by the scribes and Pharisees, did repent and they did turn their hearts to God when they were preached to by none other than the prophet Jonah when he finally got there. They repented and they believed at the prophet's word. And here Jesus is using them, the men of Nineveh, to the best and the brightest of Israel as the example for them to follow. So they, those Ninevite Gentile dogs, would rise in judgment against Israel. This is what he was saying, because they would rise as believers, while the generation of the Israelites would be condemned in judgment for their non-belief and their continual rejection of God. And then Jesus says these words, but a greater one is here than Jonah. What did he mean? Nineveh had one opportunity to hear the truth that was preached by a flawed prophet who did no miracles, fearful of men, refused to preach the word of the Lord at first, and was very highly prejudiced against the Ninevites. In contrast with Jesus, 
with such love and compassion, had worked many miracles in the presence of all of Israel, and he taught them the very words of life. He lived a complete, completely pure and sinless life before them. He was truly, without debate, the greater than Jonah. But yet, they did not repent. In the very last verse we read, verse 42, Jesus once again uses a Gentile as an example to these hard-headed Jews. Just as he had used the men of Nineveh to condemn Israel, here he uses the Queen of Sheba, who came from the uttermost parts of the earth to see the splendor of King Solomon. In all that she saw of Solomon's wisdom, his wealth, and even his crowning glory of the temple that he built, Jesus was so right because he was still greater than Solomon. More wise than Solomon. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.24, But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, or Gentiles, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Jesus has far more wealth than Solomon had. For how could we inherit his riches if he didn't have all the wealth of heaven and earth at his hand, given to him by inheritance of his father? John 16, 15 says, all things that the father has are mine. Therefore I said that, I, that he will take what is mine, what is his, and declare it to us. And as for temples, Acts 17, 24 through 27 says, The God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. That's the message this morning. We can reach him. We can touch the greater than Jonah. We can touch the greater than Solomon, and he is here. John 3.17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, the world through him, might be saved. I want to sing a song this morning. I want to. We have nothing physical.
that we can give to the Lord. We just read he owns it all. His wealth is unfathomable. But what we can give him is the honor and the adoration due him. I don't feel like I have very many crowns that he would want. But I know that he wants my heart. And I can give him the crown of my heart. Oh, I put it in the wrong key because I can't reach it in this key.
Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.